It's another day here at the Comeback Team Studios. And I'm very happy to, to talk to a good friend, someone I've gotten to know over the last few months in the digital world. And as I'm seeing him for the first time in real life, so are you. I got a good friend. He's a singer, songwriter, really popular podcaster, great YouTube channel, a lot more. This guy does it all. My new friend, Marty Ray of the Marty Ray Project. You can check out his podcast, it's Marty Ray Project Chats, and all the links are below. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and that we're available on every podcast platform around the nation. Marty Ray is in the building. Yes, sir. Great intro. I loved it. I would say I would switch the very popular podcaster and you reserve that for very popular singer. If that, if I'm very popular at anything, but, uh, I'm not really depends on what you call very, very popular. You know what I mean? 600,000 subs on YouTube, brother. I'm over here with 6,000. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful for that. God bless me with that. But what I'm saying is there's people with 20 million subs. There's people with, so it just depends on what you call very popular. You know what I mean? I'd rather have 6,000 loyal community members than 600,000 that don't care. You know what I mean? So I look at it that way. Right. Yeah. And I think the people that follow you, I think they feel the same way I do about you. You're a very genuine person. I think you, you put your heart on your sleeve. You definitely sing with your heart on your sleeve. And I was in a room one day on Clubhouse. You know, it's this digital app that we use. It's on the iPhone. It's going to be on the Droid soon. And it uses the human voice. And Marty's on there one day, and we're in a room, and we're all having a chat, and then he sings. Actually, it was a room with Vanilla Ice is when I really got to get to know you even better. We're co-hosting. You, you brought him. You helped bring him on the app, right? You guys were, like, hanging out, talking. Yeah, I, I, I brought him on the app, and I, I told him we was going to do a room, and let's do – I was going to, you know, do a welcome to clubhouse party with Vanilla Ice. So I figured somebody might like it, and it turned out a lot of people seemed to like it. 2,000 people showed up in that room, and that was kind of the highlight of my whole clubhouse journey. And I hadn't really been back too much since then. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I know you've been busy. You know, people starting to perform again. I was in that room. It was really cool to be able to hear. Like, that's why I tell people, you never know who you're going to meet on this app. So if you get a chance, you have free time, you should definitely. I'm on there a lot whenever I get a free moment. And I, I think it's fun. There's, there is some benefit to it. And you know, I got to meet you, man. Yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome. I, I love, I love, I got made a lot of very, very valuable uh, friendships and I say valuable in multiple ways, valuable because it's people that I really like. And it's also people that have, uh, brought me, especially one particular person, which I think you, we, you and I spoke about this same guy. He is, uh, his name's Tyler and he, he has just been a, a dream, uh, for me to find on clubhouse. Shout out to Tyler Sherman, man. What a great dude, man. He and I, are, are working on a bunch of things, always, always working on something. He's a beast. He really is. And, he, and, he, and he's so nonchalant about it. He's like, he'll call and he'll be like, hey, I got a guy who um, wants you to come and be on his podcast. And, and he talks like low. He got, he got, he's got 500,000 subscribers. But, uh, you know, if you want, just let me know if you want. You know, <laughs> I'm like, of course I want to. Of course I want to be on the podcast, 500,000 subscribers. Speaking yeah. of that, hey, I want to be on yours. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll make that happen. What I do want my, my audience to know is the amazing Marty Reyes. 
and I want to talk about your amazing life. I know your life started. If I'm, I don't know where did your life start? Did it start in Tennessee? So I was born in Tennessee, raised in Arkansas, but my what daddy owned a uh, mechanic shop, towing service in, in, in Blavo, Arkansas. I grew up there, graduated there, moved to West Memphis to run his, he opened a towing service in West Memphis and he had one that still had the place in Blavo. He opened the one in West Memphis. I moved to West Memphis to run that one for him. Did that for years until I started making, I started making music videos, started putting stuff out there. I was still running the, the towing service while I did that until I didn't have to, when I didn't have to do it anymore, I moved to Memphis and I told daddy it was, uh, I had to be done with the towing. I'm thankful for the towing. It allowed me, you know, it, it gave me a good enough life to where I could, uh, you know, make music and, and have at least release one, one, that very first EP album that I released before I had any fans, you know? So I did that and then moved to Memphis and I stay, I was in Memphis for, I don't know how, how many years I'm horrible with dates and times and whatnot, but two years ago, I moved to Nashville and that's where I'm at now. So. All right. Let me ask you this. First of all, how big are you, man? Tall wise. How, how, how big are you height wise? I'm about five ten. You're a pretty decent sized guy. If you were towing my car, I don't think I'd have it. Like I would, I don't think I'd mess with you. No, I never had anybody mess with me. You know, I think that's more about, you know, just letting just people knowing that it wouldn't do them good if that I used to actually be in shape too. Like I used to have some actual guns and now I'm just a, a fat boy, but I used to not be a fat boy. So you finished high school? Oh yeah. College? No. I went to college. Okay. Went to college that, but then you know, I didn't use any of that, but I went. Were you a good student? I was a good student my senior year and in college. Before that, no. Horrible. I was the opposite of that. I was amazing up until I finished high school. National line. I got a scholarship to college. And then in college, it was... Partying. What? He was partying. I can count how many minutes I went to class. I was still past them four years because I was brilliant from high school. I just take the test, man. Yeah, well, that's funny because that's kind of the same situation it was my senior year of high school. I missed... 85 days my senior year 85 85 days i missed yeah certain 85 days i know for a fact i missed 85 days of first period let me put it that way because first period was uh the earliest and i didn't want no part of that it was too early it was my neighbor it was my neighbor's house i mean my neighbor right next to me right next to our house was the teacher of my first period and so i told him I said, I said, his name was Toombs. I said, Toombs, you probably ain't going to see me a lot in the mornings. You know, I just probably ain't going to be there. But I, I still passed that class with a B because I took the test. I studied for the test, took the test. I got my work, and I would turn it in like on Monday or something like that. I would show up one to two days a week maybe, but – that was about it. Was and it because you just other wanted, were furious? You just weren't a morning person. Is that what it was? Hated mornings. Did, didn't want to. Did, well, I didn't want to go to school anyway. Hated school. Uh, other like I hated. I had a problem with authority. You know, when you grow up and all you ever have to do is work for your dad. And you know, you and your dad. I don't know how you and your dad are, but me and my dad would 
we would get into arguments and whatnot. And of course he would slap me if I got too, if I got too out of hand, you know, but we would, we, you still felt free to, to voice your opinion to your authority because he was your dad and you were working and you knew that no matter what, he was going to forgive you and everything was going to be good in about an hour anyway. You know what I mean? That type of relationship, that's the kind of relationship we had. So in school, it was kind of the same way. It, if the teachers did something that I thought was dumb or I didn't agree with, I would, I said it, I told them that I, I said, that don't make sense that you're doing that and all these things. And you know, all these are like taking your hat off. That was one of the biggest things for me. I always wore a hat. I would go in and sit down and they'd say, we need to take your hats off in class. I'd be like, that's stupid. Why? Why I got to take my hat off in class? That's what I would say to them literally just like that. And they would go, Marty, why are you trying to be a problem? I'm not trying to be a problem. I don't see the problem. Me wearing my hat. What's wrong with me wearing my hat in here? Like, can a can a can a kid not come never, to school? It's already stressful enough. Can a kid not come to school and be comfortable? <laughs> can we make it a little easier on? And that's and then I get sent to the principal's office. Now you got to wear a mask. Yeah. No. 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 Not take off that. Now up here they want you to. I mean, so this is when I think of the irony of all this. And you're right. You know, they had that rule in my school, so I'm sitting here thinking back now. Not that I wore hats because I always had this beautiful, you know, mafioso haircut. Yes, sir. But, but I never understood what the hell was the big deal about the hat. I could get it for the Pledge of Allegiance, and I know you would take it off for that, right? No question. But after the Pledge of Allegiance, why can't I just put the, what's the big deal? Well, I don't know the truth. We didn't have the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning when I went to school. How old are you? I'm 38. You're 30? I'm 38. So y'all still had the Pledge of Allegiance in high I school? Guess, I guess we're more patriotic in the North, bro. Sorry, man. We still got it, I think. I doubt that. I highly doubt that. Yeah, you're right. I guarantee you that, that y'all do not have it. Well, I would be willing to bet money that if there's any place in the world that doesn't have the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning, it's a New York City school. I probably, I mean, that's just, that's just the way I think. I don't know. I'm just saying I'd bet money on it. I like, I like the morning brainwash, man. I pledge of allegiance to the flag. Of, I loved it. Cause it's like, you know why they wouldn't have the pledge of allegiance nowadays in, in most schools? Cause under it's God, because it says under God, God, it ain't really an agenda against you or me. It's really an agenda against God. They don't want him. They don't want him involved in this nation. Look where we're at. I'll start preaching if I have to. You know what I mean? Listen, this is the Marty Ray Project backed up by Beck Lover, man. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, let me ask you this. Growing up, were you spiritual? You from a spiritual family? I was raised in church. Uh, got out as a teenager because I'm a teenager and I was out for a long time and uh, doing some stupid stuff and getting in trouble and got ran over by a car because I was trying to fight a guy a guy was driving around a parking lot where we were, or the, me and my friends were, and he was, he was trying to hit people and I wasn't paying attention to him. And, uh, we were walking buddy of mine, we were walking and I was looking this way and he pulls up and he says, eh, stops right here. So the passenger side window is right here. And he, and, and I'm like, man, what's wrong with you, dude? What the freak are you doing here? What are you doing? Are you trying to hit somebody? He starts, you know, yapping his mouth. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll come over there to that side and, and we'll talk. I'm not, I'm not going to go back and forth with you, you know, however many feet away from you here. I'm three feet away from you. So I said, let's I'll come over there. Because I was a little bit of a roughneck back then, you know, not anymore. 
but I was back then as a boy. I say a boy, a teenager. And uh, I guess I was about 18 at that point. And I come around to his side, and before I can get around there, he takes off. He's, he's driving around the parking lot. He, now he's really going after people. We're talking this big parking lot. He's getting speed up to 40, 50 miles an hour, it seemed like, and trying to hit people, like just kill people, essentially. And uh, so I took a, a shopping cart, and I threw that thing right into the side of his car. And I hit the side of that car. And when I did, I was left out in the middle of the parking lot and there was no poles, no cars, no nothing. And this guy floored it and he, he ran me over. It was like a, a, like the movies. It was just like the movies, man. He hit me right here. I still got a big, uh, not, uh, like a soft spot on the side of my leg where a big hematoma was where he hit me and I rolled up over the, the windshield, broke the windshield, rolled up over in the air and landed on the ground. And as I was in the air, I was coming down on my head. So my feet were like this and I'm coming down like this. And, uh, it was, it was literally like slow motion. I know that this is probably a cliche thing, but this is actually a real life event that whether it's cliche or not, this really happened to me in, in that moment, it was like slow motion. I'm coming down on my head. I'm thinking I'm about to die. And I and I, I thought, what did I, what have I done for Jesus that he would let me in the kingdom? And when I saw, when I thought about it, I was like, I ain't done nothing. I ain't done a thing, man. Like I'm, I've been the worst. So I was like, Shh. in that moment, I'm thinking, save me and I'll do better. And when I, when I hit the ground, I hit the ground on my shoulder. Just last minute, I hit the ground on my shoulder first and then my, and then my uh, head hit. So I had no injury on my shoulder, broke a rib, and I had a messed up leg. But that was it. Could have been a lot worse. Attempted so from that to... day forward, I can't say from that day forward I was a saint. Can't say I'm a saint now. But from that day forward, it was definitely Jesus occupying my mind at all times because of that moment. There's been a few moments like that, actually, where I should be dead. Should be. This guy, I mean, basically tried to kill you, man. Basically tried to yeah, kill you. Yeah, he tried you. to kill me. And, and he got away with it, too. He, nobody, he, he never went to jail or nothing like that. Did you so, know who it was? I mean, did you? Well, the funny thing is my buddies that were there, we were all kind of roughnecks, so they immediately were trying to chase this guy because when he hit, when he ran over me, he achieved what he wanted to, to achieve. He ran over me, and he left drove driving like a maniac. Then he got on, the, he left the parking lot, and he's, He's going, they're trying to chase him, but they locked the keys to their truck, locked the keys in their truck. So they ended up having to bust a window out of the truck just to get in the truck. They got in the truck and then uh, went after him. But it was at that point, nobody could find this guy. He ended up, seemed like he leave, left town. My brother was even a cop and my brother was looking for him and uh, nobody could find this guy. So my brother went to his mom's house. She said he left town or something. So. Who knows? Would you consider it, it's good though? You, you you think that 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 event significantly impacted you, in a in a in a positive way? I know it did. It it it, cha it changed a lot of things. So, because uh, I dealt with anger a lot too back then. So it, I dealt with wanting revenge and things like that. So even after that, even after I you know told God, hey, save me, and I'll I'll do better. I'm immediately trying to find this guy to to, to hurt him bad. Like you know, might possibly even kill him. So it's a good thing I didn't find him. But uh, then it wasn't long before 
God said, Hey, I thought you was going to do better. And then I started learning for the first time how to, how, when, when, uh, Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to those that despitefully use you and pray for them and things like that. I started at the, for the first time learning how to actually love somebody that hates me so much. They want to kill me, you know? So it was, it's been a good, good thing for spirit and for life. One of the slogans I've heard in, in my life that I tried, I tried to, it's very hard to forgive, but it makes sense when someone says, well, if you can't forgive others, and why should God forgive you? Well, that's scripture. The Bible says that if you hold, if you have a grudge against your brother, then God has a grudge against you. So that's that's the living word. Uh, yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. He, he has no reason to forgive you if he forgave everything on a cross that you did. And how dare you not forgive other people? Especially some people hold grudges for words, for just simple words, which is really crazy you know that you that just because somebody said something they didn't kill nobody they didn't drag you through a a parade of people watching you carry a cross naked and slap you around put thorns on they didn't do any of those things you know what i mean but you can't forgive them but jesus is supposed to forgive you of all everything that you've done it just it don't work that way you have to become, you have to live, live life as he lived it. That's what he said. He said, love others as I have loved you. And that means breathe for others. That's what that love means. You track it back to the root word. It means breathe for. He breathed for us. We're supposed to breathe. Like I'm breathing for you right now. I'm breathing for Beck. So my goal, my job is to breathe for you and everybody else around you, my family and everybody around me. I don't wake up for me. I wake up for them. So it's like... Uh similar in many ways to, to a lot of people's journeys. We go through these, these moments that impact our life, sometimes even worse than what we've been through, like what you've been through, what I've been through. And, you know, when despair happens, sometimes it's actually a blessing. I believe enlightenment comes through despair. I feel sometimes that the, the higher power literally brings you to your knees where you have nothing to look up to but God. There's nothing that can save you in that moment. And I think yeah. this is true for so many people. When we listen to these stories, the interviews that I've done, and I know you've done a ton of interviews too, these people that are extraordinary, when you hear their stories, there was always that spiritual component that just turned them into superhumans almost. The things that they were able to achieve and accomplish, the things that they were able to get through, that most of us, when we hear their stories, they make our problems look like a joke. But... I find it I find it amazing. I mean, I didn't know like like I said I'm I'm getting to know you for the first time right now. Yeah, we've spoken here and there, but you know, it's kind of hard to get to know someone on an app. I can't see you. And Vanilla Ice is in the room and thousands of people are like I I didn't have a chance to get to know you. So, I'm getting to know you right now. Just like my audience is. So you yeah. had you had this life-changing moment. You decide to be a better a better a better person, better human being. I did. I didn't I didn't achieve it right then. But that was always living in my head, and it still does. Those thoughts still live there, that I, I have a job to do. And like I said, that's happened many times. I've almost, I've almost been dead many times. So the, the, the thought of that is a constant in my head, thinking I'm here because he wants me here for a reason. I sing, I only have a talent because he gave it to me. I didn't learn 
how to sing like some people. I didn't learn it. I just came out of the womb able to do it. That's kind of how it is. So, When do you start transitioning to, to being a singer, an entertainer, a podcaster? When does that happen? I mean, you go from being, let me do the family business. When did you decide? I mean, did you really pursue the dream? You didn't really pursue the dream during those years, right? No, I never pursued it at all because I sang growing up. Like I said, I came out of the womb. I thought I could sing. I thought I sounded good, but I mimicked everybody. So I was mimicking people. I sounded like those people, and I thought I did pretty good at it. But my family, couple, some of my family members, God bless them, I love them to death, they uh, they were they sang, and they, they're, they're wonderful singers, wonderful uh, musicians, and I looked up to them. And uh, some of them, they didn't, they said that, you know, one of them said I couldn't sing, that I just wanted to be a singer, and I wasn't called to be a singer, you know, that type of thing. And uh, they didn't like it. There's nothing wrong with that. They didn't feel that was their opinion. It's, it's, it's okay to voice your opinion. Now, at the time, it, it, it made me angry. And I was like, well, you know, what do you know? You don't know nothing. And that was the truth. They don't know. Nobody knows. If somebody hears a song and they go, that's a hit. They don't know. Nobody knows. These Sony, Warner Brothers, uh, UMG, Universal Music, they don't know. Nobody knows. They just guess. And they think, hey, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like what we've heard be become a hit in the past. Let's go with it and see what happens. Sometimes it works. Anyway, so then for years I thought, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm one of these people because I can't hear. I, I don't have any hearing out of this ear since I was five years old. So five years old, I lost the majority of the hearing in my right ear. So I couldn't hear my. I couldn't. I can't hear out of this. So I thought, well, maybe I'm hearing myself, and I sound good to myself, but I really don't sound that good to other people. And that years and years went on. And I just never thought it was even a possibility outside of that. My, of course, my mother always said I was, I could sing good, you know, but then you think, of course, she's going to say it's my mother. You know what I mean? So you start thinking that my dad was like, Hey, you sound good, but you, you're not going to make a living doing that. You got to make a living with these. You know, he was the guy who has worked himself to the bone. And this is how you make a living with your hands, not your mind and not any talents. That's not how you make a living. So it was like all these things were inside of me thinking they were fighting against this ever even trying to accomplish it. And then in 2005, I got a Apple MacBook and on this MacBook, it had an app called garage band. And I pulled up this garage band and I've realized I could record myself. So I said, wow, this is something. And I knew my cousin had been recording. So I got with him and it was during Christmas time. And I said, let's go to the church and record some stuff. I want to play around with this. So we did, we were there and, uh, we worked on another song for a while. And then uh, my uncle left and I told him, I said, we didn't finish this. I want to have something finished. So I said, pick a song out of the hymn book, play it. And I'm just going to sing to follow what you do. And uh, come to find out, it was a song I'd never heard anybody sing. So I had no way to, I had nothing to base it off of. So I couldn't mimic anyone. You see what I'm saying? I couldn't mimic anybody. I had no voice to pull from. So he started playing Great Speckled Bird. And I would, he was playing it so soulfully that I just started singing. And I was like, uh, what a beautiful thought I've been thinking concerning a great speckled bird. And it just came out. So at that moment I had chills singing that song. And I was like, 
what is this? And it was like, God was saying, that's your voice. And that was the first time I ever heard my voice. So I kind of, at this point thinking, man, let me make a video of this and see if this is what God wants me to do or not. So I made a video and I put it out on my personal Facebook profile at that time. And like 30,000 people, it was like 30,000 views that it got. And I thought at that time, I thought, man, I'm, I'm on my way now. I'm famous now. I'm about to be a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> of course, that didn't happen. It still ain't happening. I'm still waiting on that. But uh, It's coming, Marty, Ray. At that point, it. at that point, I thought, man, maybe this is what, because there was a lot of positive. For the first time in my life, there was a lot of people saying, man, you're great. You know, I never have never heard. Mm-hmm. In my family, you never heard, hey, you're great. You're awesome. You're this. That, that was not words. There was no type of encouragement in that in that regard. Even if they felt that way, they wouldn't tell you that because it was a uh, kind of came from this family that was you were trained to never boast, to never be proud, to never lift yourself, put yourself on a pedestal. They were, and which is which is all good things, right? You shouldn't you shouldn't put yourself on above somebody. Shouldn't think you're above somebody, but you should still be able to compliment other people and lift them up. Right. You should still be able to edify other people without edifying yourself. So, but my family kind of, they didn't understand that. So they couldn't, they didn't, they, they were scared that if they would tell somebody in the family that they were pretty or they were handsome or they were uh, talented, they could sing good, they could do this good. Then they would uh, make those, that person a very boastful person. So it didn't happen a lot. So for the first time it started happening. And I said, well, God, if this is what you want me to do, you honor it. I'll put forth the effort. You honor it. That's kind of how it started. So the, the, the comments really showed you that, wow, like I do have a voice that resonates with others. You know, until I started yeah. my own show and I got trolls, brother, I got a lot of trolls. They think, you know, they're mad because of I interviewed ex mobsters and I'm just giving my perspective on things. I'm really in, on this show that I'm doing here. It's more of an interview. I do want to start another show where it's going to be more like what we've been doing here, just very casual conversation. And it's not about always the interview. It's just about life. You know, I'm so glad you took that leap. I think, I think the wealth is coming, brother. I feel it, man. When you sing, you know, when you talk, I feel you, man, you got energy, man. And I like your energy. You know, it's, you just keep doing what you're doing. But listen, brother, 600,000 subs, man. 600,000 right at it. Just, just right below it, five hundred ninety-nine thousand. Still, it's just that's crazy, bro. Yeah, that wasn't easy, right? How long ago did you start this, man? Well, like I, like I said, I started with that video, and then when was that? You remember what year? Was I don't. It? Yeah, I'm horrible with times. That's what five I said. years, I got, ten years. How long have you been fighting for the dream, man? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't fighting. I wasn't technically doing it then. Like I didn't say, okay, I'm going after it now. I just, at that point, when I started getting that love, I said, I just said, I said, well, I'll, I'll keep making videos. I still got to work and do this other things, but I, I'll keep making videos and see how long it takes before I don't have to do these other things. And so I was still making videos, but then it kind of dropped off. Like that first one did, you know, 30,000 views. And then the other one's not so much. And I was like, Okay, I'll start podcasting. That was in, like I know I know I'm pretty sure I started podcasting around 2007, right? I had said, well, this is because my dream was actually my actual dream growing up wasn't to be a musician. 
it was to be a, a DJ or have my own talk radio show. That was my dream. I wanted to have a show. Not, I'm not a fan of Howard Stern by no means, but I wanted a show like his. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Here's a guy who has a, a show that they film and people watch like on E they used to watch, used to come on E entertainment. And I thought, wow, this is, this is the coolest thing ever, man. I want to do that. Cause I'm a conversationalist. I must've hung out with him at least 30, 40 times in my life. Like in his proximity. Is he cool? He's a cool dude, man. He's tall as hell. I'm six foot two. He was taller than me, skinny. He used to hang out at scores. I used to go there quite often when I was younger. I'm talking about 15 years ago. It was a famous adult place, you know, where they dance and all that stuff. I wasn't really there for that. It was, it was more of a place where you never knew who you were going to run into. There was always movie stars in there, celebrities. All kinds of Yankees players and, you know, sports players. So it was just a cool place to go, even if you weren't into that kind of thing. It was a cool place. How tall is he? Six, five? He's like that, man. Yeah. 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 I could like tell that. he was tall. He was cool, though, man. I was like, hey, what's up, Howard? He's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Like, he was just cool. He'd say a few words to you. you know, he was always busy, but he would acknowledge you, you know? He was cool. He was real cool. One of the one of the coolest things I've seen, like I said, I'm not a big fan or nothing. I don't, I don't, I don't listen to his show. and. Every day I would see a few things on E, you know, back in the day when I was growing up. But one of the coolest things I ever saw by him was when he was hosting America's Got Talent. And there was this little boy who came on there and he, he was a rat. He wanted to be a rapper. And this boy was probably four years old. Right. And this boy's rapping and he's not really that good, but everybody's supporting him because, hey, this is a little boy. This is a child. You know, you so then, so then anyway, so everybody on there, it gets to Howard and he goes, it's a no for me, buddy. You know, like that. And this boy just starts breaking down crying and Howard gets up and he goes up on the stage and he hugs the boy and he goes, I can't do this. He's looking out. He's like, I can't, he said, it's a yes. You're going to Hollywood. He said, I, I, I can't. He said, I can't do that. I don't know why am I doing this show. Like, he can't. He can't hey, he said, what the freak would I be doing this for? To break <laughs> people's hearts? He said, I can't do this. Right? And I, I think he left after that season. And I was like, that's true, because that's tough. That's It's a tough job to look at a child and go, yeah, that dream you think you want, I'm the one that's going to stop you from getting it. That's a tough thing. That's a tough job to have. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you watch his movie, and I think – that is his life in there. I, I think the movie is hilarious in parts of it, but I think you you, you kind of see how, how much he went through to, to get to where he was, you know, to, to make the sick. I mean, he had massive success. So you decide, you know, you're going to do your, your music thing. You're going to start your own podcast, which, brother, I'm dreaming to get to the level you're at already. Well, I mean, Listen, you need to dream higher than that. Well, steps, right? A dream yeah. has to have steps. You have a plan. You know, I gotta I'm get a milestone there. for you. You know? My, 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 my level is a milestone for you. It was a, it was a milestone for me. A million is my next milestone. Like having a million subscribers on YouTube, a million followers on Facebook, a million, a million at any one place. Right. I got about 1.3 million followers across all platforms, but, uh, having a million people in one spot, that's, that's huge, man. That's, that's really big. Say a million people said they loved what you were doing enough to where they said they want to see more of what you're doing. That's a big thing to me. So, of course, I'm I don't look at those 
and my fans know this, I don't look at those numbers and think that's just a number. The reason I believe that I've grown is because they know how much I love them. Because from day one, when I didn't have any fans, just had like maybe two, they would comment and guess who's answering back? Me. They would send a message. I'm answering a message. Guess who's still doing that to this day? Me. They answer. They leave a comment. I'm the one answering. I try to get as many as I can. I answer thousands and thousands and thousands of comments a week. What about probably. the trolls, Marty? You get a lot of trolls? I actually don't. That's what's crazy. I don't get a lot, but I do get some. But what happens is if, you, if you're coming from a place, like I mentioned earlier, I breathe for people, then you look at those trolls and you're like, hey, something's going on in their life, right? And uh, I might be the only one that halts them from doing something they shouldn't do. So when I get somebody that's, that's you know, throwing shade or hate or whatever, they, uh, for instance, somebody will say something like, this guy sounds, this, this, this guy's fat, whatever, whatever. And he, he sounds like, and they would just make some horrible comment about, think, you know, insulting my, my singing, which does not bother me in the slightest, not in the slightest, not, not one bit. But what I do is I, I, I comment to them people and they don't expect you to comment back, but I comment and I say, listen, I say, I, I love you anyway. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were here to listen. I still love you and God bless you. And I don't know what you're going through that, that makes you feel like you need to project this type of hatred towards somebody you don't even know. I said, but I will say this, and I'll, I, this, this is literally comments that I've left, that there are people on this app, this is YouTube, there, there are young children on this app that are putting themselves out there when nobody else is encouraging them and they're seeing if the world will. And they don't. it don't matter if they get a million positive comments, they're going to focus on your comment. They're going to focus on when you said what you just said to me about them they, and it can cause serious depression issues with some young people. I said, so think about that the next time you're leaving a comment. And these people tend, most of the time, they respond and they go, hey, man, I was just uh, joking or yeah, I was just this. And, and I actually love your music and all this stuff, right? So I think it helps. The anonymity of YouTube and social media creates monsters that otherwise are not monsters. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of them use it just really to get a reaction. They want you to respond to them. And, you know, when they make fun of me, and listen, and I agree, they, the trolls help me get better. When I first started, I didn't know my, my elbow from my ass. Okay? That's the truth. So they would comment, this guy sucks, or he talks too much, or, you know, he just sucks. And I would just respond, like, you're right. Can I watch one of your episodes, or can I see one of your shows? That was my response. Because I want to say, I mean, I know you're bashing me and I suck, but I want to learn. So can I, do you have, can you send me a link to one of your shows? They don't have any show. So it's easy for you to sit over there and make fun of me when I'm trying. I'm putting my heart into this thing. I'm not, I haven't made any money doing this shit. I made it, but you know how much work goes into this, brother. Too much. Okay? I'm losing money, but I love right, it. Too. I love it. I believe in it. I've gotten people that have, wrote, you know, sent me messages. I've checked into rehab because of you. I didn't kill myself because of you. Mm -hmm. When you finish your show and you say, 
that no matter what you've been through, you can always make a comeback. I believe that because I know you believe that. And for me, brother, you know, I had a, I had a woman a couple weeks ago. She came on Clubhouse. I wasn't expecting it. And there was a couple hundred people in there. And she goes, I just want to say something. I, I went through this, I went through this, I went through this. I wanted to kill myself that night that I, I put a bottle of pills aside. I got ready to do it. I made my intention. But for some reason, I heard Beck speak. And I decided not to kill myself. As a matter of fact, the next day I decided to get a therapist. Now I'm looking back a month, a month later and I'm going, what was I even thinking? Thank God I didn't do it. And I owe it to this guy. I, I don't think they owe it to me. I think they owe it to the one above. 100%. I, I just want to be a vessel, brother. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm not proud of my past. I've hurt people. I've hurt women out there too. When I was a young punk, I was arrogant. You know, when we're young, we're full of testosterone. We don't, you know, one track mind, as they say. I, I was no angel, but I can admit that. I'm not ashamed. I can evolve. I can change. I can do better with the time that I have left. I believe this, this journey that we have in this life, we don't know how much time we have left. But it's this line where we jump back and forth between good and bad. And I just want to be on the right side of the line when my clock ticks out. That's all. I pray that when my clock finishes, I was on the right side of the line. I got a long way to go. Maybe there's people that look out, they look up to me or whatever. I get a lot of love too, just like you do. And those messages really do help a lot. When you want to give up, when there's no money coming in, doing all this hard work, you're putting in hours and hours a day, you have no idea if there's ever even going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, right? But that's, that's the risk that I'm willing to take. These positive messages, though, to all those people that support us, people like you and me that are artists, it's the best feeling in the world. It really does help me go the extra mile. It's, it's the reason I never gave up. So I don't know. I went off on a tangent, but yeah. So, you know, trolls, take it easy. Take it easy. Life's not that crazy. It's a freaking computer. If you don't like us, click the channel. I mean, you're not killing us. Really, you're just showing who you are. Yeah. I wanted to address something though that you said. You said you hope and pray that you're on the right side when your clock ends. Well, you're not you're not gonna earn your way to heaven, right? It ain't gonna happen. I agree with you. Paid for already. Jesus paid that price. But he did he did want you to be as close to him as you can. So that's that's all I would tell your people listening and you is just be as close to him and live as close to he as the way he lived as you can. And that's that's all he expects. One of my favorite stories, I don't know where the tradition comes from or the narration, but it was a man. And, you know, they talk about in the older days, Noah of the Ark lived 950 years. So supposedly human beings really in actuality, we didn't evolve. Technically, if you look at it from the Abrahamic perspective, right, the religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, human beings actually de-evolved. Yeah, it's still de-evolving. They lived longer. They were even physically... I even physically taller is explained in these scriptures. But that's not the point. There was a gentleman who lived, I think it was like 500 years, in seclusion, like the, like the Christian monks. He lived in seclusion on a, on a mountaintop. All he did was pray and fast his entire life, completely cut off from society, complete dedication to, to God. 
nothing wrong because there was nothing to do wrong with around him. And he passes away, and it says on the day of judgment when God passed down his judgment upon all of us for everything we've ever done in this life, right? God goes to him, out of my mercy, I'm going to allow you to go to heaven. He goes, what do you mean out of my mercy? He goes, no, no, I, I want to be judged. I have 500 years, God. I want to, 500 years, I, get, I didn't do nothing. All I did was pray to you. All I did was fast. I gave my whole life to you. I want to be judged on my actions. God goes to him, are you sure? You sure you want to be judged on your actions? And not my mercy? He goes, yeah. Bring the scales out. God took his eye, put the eye on the scale. Just his eye, one eye, not both eyes, one eye. The gift that God gave us of vision to see things that we take for granted every morning when we wake up. When he put the 500 years of prayer and fasting and basically as perfect as a human being as you could be, because no human being is perfect. When he put that eyeball on, it dropped the 500 years. God goes, now there's the fire. He goes, no, 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 I'll take the mercy. So I agree with you when you say, we can never repay the one that gave us life. The gifts that we have that I swear so many of us take for granted. I have my friend Eric Patrick Thomas. He's been on the show. I hope one day you bring him on your show. He's amazing. He's friends with Damon John from Shark Tank. I just got him on Clubhouse a couple of days ago. Nice. This guy, Marty Ray, is probably the most positive human being I've ever met in my life. Shot in his neck. Mm. Paralyzed for 20. He didn't even know who shot him. Why He, he didn't even have any enemies. And he forgave his enemy, he said. Son of a gun. The day that he was in the hospital with a tube in his throat because he couldn't breathe after being shot. Some pastor or a priest came to him and said, do you forgive your enemy? He says, I forgive him. He says that made all the difference between that day and where he is now. And this guy can't even move anything below his neck, Marty. Nothing. You got to get him on your show, man. You got to get this guy on your show. He's amazing. I need to. I need to. What does he do? He started a brand called Inspire. This guy, every time I talk to him, makes me cry, man. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent, but I... No, I, that's a, what this show's about, tangents, man. That's what, that's what we're going to do. I know. I usually... I've been off on three. What are you talking about? Yeah, I usually do my shows. And this is why I want to go down to more of the open format. But my shows are a little more structured about you, the guest. That's what my fans like. They, they, they want to know who Marty Ray is. So they can Mar find anything they need to know about me online. You know, it's... You Google Marty Ray Project, you're going to find a lot of stuff. You're going to learn about me real quick. Marty, so have you gotten to a point where performing sustains you now? Yeah, I was, I've been doing acting, uh, singing, and songwriting for about 10 years. And sometimes you, along this whole line, there's been times when I think it'd be easier working for somebody else. It's a guaranteed paycheck. I don't have to worry. I know exactly what I'm getting, but it would be less money probably. But of course, it could be more money. I don't know that. I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't doing it at this point. But it's good. I'm, I'm thankful for it. And God, you know, kind of slaps me around every now and then and says, this is what I put you here to do, and you're going to keep doing it. So what, that's what I do. What do you see, Marty Ray, in the next five years? What's your, what's your wish by God's will? What do you see yourself in five years? You always have this – there's always these dreams and goals that you've laid out from, from square one. So you're trying to reach those. And then some of those I won't mention because they're personal. But uh, I do see – my goals kind of are, are all related to reaching more people. So it's really all it's about for me is being able to reach more people with my original music. So I, I in, in five years, 
if I don't have a title track for a TV show or or a, a, a title song that that I wrote and performed for a, a movie or something like that, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked if I don't. You know what I mean? That's my goal. That's my real goal at this point is just to have my songs, my original songs for my original albums. I've released three original albums. Got another one coming. And the goal is to get those songs used in, in TV and commercials and, and uh, movies. That's what I want to do. All available and, on iTunes and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Anywhere, anywhere music's consumed, they're there. Just type iTunes, in everywhere else. Just type in Marty Ray. Marty Ray Project. Now, you're a family man. Yeah? 100%. Married? Yep, married, two children. Two children. Yep. And what is it like, man, being a father and a family man and having it's a lot of work when you work for yourself. How do you balance that between family, God, you know, work? What advice you have for, for people like me and you? Because I'm dealing with it too, and it's very hard at times, man. The wife don't understand sometimes, and I don't blame her. The kids, you know. Well, the hardest part is when you don't have God first then everything's out of whack. See when Jesus is first, that's why he said, he said, he said, set your sight first on the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else is added unto you. So it's real. It's smooth sailing. When, when you got Jesus at, at the helm, because he takes care of it. And that's really how my life is. I, I even, people might think that I'm crazy for that, but that's the truth. I, I, I'm not smart enough to handle all this. So this is a lot of pressure. I'm not smart enough to handle balancing family and, and music and acting and podcasting and getting guests on my show and things like that. I'm not, I'm not talented enough, nor am I wise enough to do it, but with him first, he's, he's more than I could ever ask for. So he lines it up. My life is literally a proverb out of the Bible. Proverbs 18, 16. It's literally is the, the epitome of my life. It says, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. That's literally all, I, all I'm doing is I'm God honors effort. So he, if you use your gift and it's what he puts you here, he gave you that gift and he put you here to do that, then he's going to honor your effort if you keep putting forth the effort. The only difference in successful people and non-successful people in this life are successful people never give up. It's that simple. So the unsuccessful people always is somebody who just gave up when it got a little hard. So that's all it is. You're going to hit bumps and speed bumps and mountains and, and things like that. Everybody does. You read any success story, read any biography, watch any biopic. You're going to see it's the same story every time. And they're all inspiring, but it's the same thing. The successful people were here. They went here. They came to back to here. Then they come to here. Then it came to here. Then all the way up to the top. Next thing you know, they're a legend. That's usually how it works. But the unsuccessful people, they get to here, they get to this first little notch, and then they just say, oh, I'm done. And then they go back this way. They turn back the other way. So that's the only difference. It's that simple. You People got all these secrets to success. That's the only secret there really is. Just don't quit. <laughs> don't give up. It's that simple. It make, everybody makes it so hard, right? They make, it, they make it seem like they got these books after books after books. Here's how you are to be successful. It's as easy as just don't quit. Go after it. And don't give up. That's what it is. That's the way I see it. How do you end up performing? I mean, you just you just performed down in Florida, right? You were in Tampa? I did, yeah. Who was there? It was just you? 
Yeah, it was just me performing. My fans. Nice. Yeah. yeah sold sold out. Sold the place out, so it was pretty cool. You also performed. Did you perform a night with Ice, too, I think I saw, or no? No, was no, there? no, no. no I wasn't. just went and hung out with him for a minute. How'd you two meet? Well, we met because I did a cover of Ice Ice Baby years ago. I did an acoustic cover of it. So instead of rapping, I was I did it with an acoustic style, like a more of a uh, reggae type of style. And I did that. It got on Facebook. And you're talking about, you know, maybe 100 plus million views. Wow. Cumulative. Not just one video, but many videos. Wow. Some of them have 30 million, 40 million. Some of them have 15 million. Anyway, the point is, this this thing got shared so much that people started saying they were friends with with Rob Vanilla Ice, um, and they said, "What's your number? I'm gonna have him reach out to you or whatever." And at the time, I'm running a tow truck, so I thought, "What well, I got to lose? They can get my number anyway." So yeah, here's my number. If you know Vanilla Ice and freaking have him call me, that'd be great. So I gave my number to several people. Turns out one of the people wasn't lying. I get a phone call. I answer the I answer the phone the same way. I say, "Hey, Glenn Ray's towing," and he goes, "Hey, Marty Ray, what's up?" I go, "How you doing? How can I help you?" You know, thinking it's some customer or something. And he says, "I love that. I love that Ice Ice Baby cover you did." I said, "Thanks so much. I appreciate that. How can I help you?" And he goes, "What's up? It's Rob. It's Rob, man." And I said, "How you doing, Rob? Nice to meet you." How can I help you? But I still, I didn't know his name was Rob, right? I had no clue. I just knew Vanilla Ice. So then he said, it's Vanilla Ice. And I said, okay, sure. Like, like, of course you would. You're not going to think Vanilla Ice just called your towing service to talk to you. And sure enough, it was him. And he said, I want you to come out to Miami. And we're doing an I Love the 90s tour. I want you to come out and uh, play with me. I said, when I get the email, I'll believe it. And I'll be there. And yeah, I got the email and went there and we performed together and this is online. And he and I became friends at that point. We've been friends ever since. And you did it. And so you got that email. You didn't believe it was him. I kind of believed it was him. Did, uh, sound, did you know what his voice sounded? Did you know what his voice sounded like? I did because I had watched uh, his reality, his uh, real estate show. So I kind of had a vague familiarity of what his voice sounded like, but still yet, I was still thinking, you know, I don't know, <clears throat> but this does kind of sound like uh, vanilla ice. So, uh, you know, and I did, I, I, I watched the show on DIY every now and then. So I, when he would be making these, uh, lavish mansions, you know, rebuilding these lavish mansions and stuff. So, what was it like, um, brother? I kind of had an idea, but I wasn't like somebody who re religiously watched that show, so I didn't know, you know. But uh, anyway, when I got that email, like, it's official. That's, that's, that's legit. We're going to Miami. What was it like, man, going to Miami? Had you ever been to Miami before then? No. So that was your first. So your first trip to Miami was to meet Vanilla Ice. That's right. That's a really good way to go to Miami, man. The first trip that I was supposed to go to Miami was my dad got Super Bowl tickets. That was years prior. And I was scared to fly at the time. So I told him I couldn't go. I wasn't going to go. He, he and my brother went to the Super Bowl and had a blast. Wow. Yeah. So then the second time I still was at that point, I was still scared to fly because of my ear. 
I didn't know what it would do to my ear, my bad ear. So I was like, I don't know what's going to happen this year when I'm in the air and it's this pressure. I didn't know. So at that time I even drove, I drove from Memphis to Miami. Do you fly now? Oh yeah. I fly all the time now. You come to New York, you're not driving to New York. Well, I still might drive. It depends on what I'm doing there. Or if you need equipment or something, right? If you need equipment for a show or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like I drove to Tampa because I rented a van and and I knew I was going to be there for a while. So instead of me flying and then renting a uh, car while I'm there, I had too much to do. I did a a radio show. I did a a little performance thing. I performed for this entrepreneurial group and I did a podcast and I also had to do the, the show and we had a lot of equipment. So yeah, I had to, I had to drive there for that, but, and that's probably, but the most, most of the time I'm flying. If it's, if it's an acoustic show and they, they, they're having me out, I tell them they got to get everything. I just, me and CJ just bring our guitars and, and we fly. It's usually how it goes. Do you agree that doing this podcast stuff, would you not agree that some really cool things do happen? You meet really cool people. You've developed this amazing network. I've been starting now to be able to reciprocate some of these favors that people have done for me. And that's a good feeling. It's like a, it's almost like a family, you know, Hey, he's a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. You know, I, I, f- I felt the love and I've been returning that love as much as I can. And I think it's kind of what gets a lot of us through it. Um, but in, then you also pursuing your dream and thank God you did. Cause Brother, I love your voice, man. I can't wait. I hope you do a cover of that Hurt song. I'd love to hear your take on it. I think you will make that. I, oh, I definitely will do a cover of that at some point. I want everyone to follow your show, The Marty Ray Project Chats. Check him out on YouTube. All the links are down below. Check him out. Listen to this guy's music. His voice is unlike any I've heard. Folks, Marty's the proof that you could get hit by a car. He almost said he died a few times in his life. You could be on the wrong side of the tracks. You could be living a very, maybe to you, not meaningful life, knowing deep down inside what your dream is. But he's proof that you can go after and it's never too late. And really amazing things will start to happen in your life once you have the courage to do you. So, like we always say here, no matter what you've been through in life, no matter how hopeless it may seem, as long as you believe... And as long as you have air in your lungs, you can always make a comeback. A comeback. Marty Ray. Check him out. Subscribe. Follow this guy. And we'll see you next time on The Comeback Team. Next